welcome welcome to nicole who is our tremendous guest um i've just had 15 minutes where i've had lots of time with um nicole which you will learn about um so nicole posner is our guest today and we're going to be talking about um how to manage um difficult conversations and you will learn more about this when i introduce nicole more formally so first of all thank you for joining bip chat which goes out live into linkedin live onto facebook and we also put it across 12 podcast channels and onto our youtube so you may be walking your dog you may be in the car and listening back to this and please stay with us for the next 45 minutes because the subject that we're covering today is so relevant to every single one of us it's relevant to our spouses our children our business colleagues everybody because wouldn't it be better to know how to have more powerful conversations and resolve any conflict that we find ourselves in and i'm going to be brave enough to share a few of my own experiences of that and where i wish that i had known nicole and i might have saved some relationships in the past so um enjoy that so let me first of all top of the top of the show just explain what bip um, chat is bip stands for business is personal philosophy that thomas and i've had all our business lives but it's the juxtaposition of when somebody said to me once penny it's not personal it's just business and it was like they took a carving knife to my heart when they said that because for all of us business is personal and it should be allowed to be personal we cannot expect emotion to come into anything that we do with our clients our colleagues where we want to care for people where we have want to have impact and park emotion at the door when it's expected to be parked so business is personal is a community that we run uh, bip 100 and it's for experts and we chose to create this community because finding great experts in our lives in all our lives is the hardest thing to do really hard really hard we spend a lot of our time looking for clients but how much of our time do we spend looking for the right expert into our business and we want bip 100 where we curate experts in and we put a lot of effort into this to be the place that people can come to thomas and i and say do you know somebody who does xyz and we can say well actually we've already spent a lot of time with this person we know we respect them and we like their values so let's us introduce you to them and so on that note um let me introduce you to uh, nicole posner I don't think I need to spell Nicole's name to you, but I will. Nicole, you know how to spell that. Posner, P-O-S-N-E-R. So you can look Nicole up on LinkedIn, either while you're watching, listening to this, perhaps on a on another device or, um, or later on. So no one relishes the thought of a difficult conversation. No one relishes it. Let's get that out there first. Um, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and thinks yay great let's create some <laughs> shitty conversations in our lives <laughs> um but listen this is a skill that we can acquire and you can't acquire it necessarily in 45 minutes but you can certainly get motivated to acquire this skill and create a lot more harmony in your own life and in the lives of those that you love and work with um nicole um is a known really traditionally as a, a workplace mediator is doing less and less of that because she's being really highly demanded in a consultative role as a coach and as a trainer in this world um, very excited that this year she was voted the communication and conflict consultant of the year by the greater london enterprise board and uh, in an award 
And she's got the most phenomenal way of getting this information across and is so heartfelt about um, the impact she wants to have. This is Nicole's book, which I'm showing here. So as you're walking your dog, you're not going to be able to see it. <laughs> it's called And Breathe. So look it up on, um, on, link, on Amazon. Uh, prevent, manage and master difficult, conversa uh, difficult leadership conversations in business and beyond. So welcome to you. I'm not going to say as much now. I just wanted to make sure that everybody uh, knew what we were talking about today. Uh, welcome to you, Nicole. Do you want to pad out a little bit of what I've talked about, maybe your journey to this point, um, so that everybody gets to know you a little bit more? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the very warm welcome. Um, so, yes, how did I get here? Um, a long journey. I mean, we've all got a story. Um, I'll try and give you the abridged version. Um, I started life many years ago in PR, um, working in a very toxic culture. Um, and I think that's just the nature of the industry, really. Anyone that works sort of in media and advertising will understand what I'm talking about. Um, you know, it's a demanding industry that, you know, there's a lot, a lot of deadlines and a lot of um, impatience behind that. Um, and I, I worked in that for about five years, which is where I learned my I suppose my communication skills, which is what helps me deal with communication now. Um, left there after about five years and set up my own marketing business, doing communication for businesses, uh, market, for marketing purposes. And along that journey, I decided to study psychology for my own purposes who would do that I don't know <laughs> I learned way too much about myself it was it was a study group and it came to an end and and after about six years of doing that I thought I actually really want to do something with this because I'm fascinated by people you know I'm fascinated what makes them tick how they operate and I decided to do a distant learning counselling course. One module on there was mediation. I thought, I love the fact that there's a quick fix to, to issues, whatever people are dealing with in a short time frame, unlike other therapies. And the training I, I did was, was underpinned with the psychology of conflict, which for me was a perfect marriage of, of studying psychology. And together with my communication skills that I've carried with me throughout many years, it took me to a career in mediation. But what I learned from there was that so much conflict didn't need to happen uh, because within certainly business environments, business owners and leaders just didn't know how to address issues. They didn't know how to have those difficult conversations when they needed to, which meant issues just spiraled, escalated, never got dealt with, avoided. Um, and I felt that I could make a greater impact in the world by helping leaders and to sort of deal with those conversations up here rather than dealing with the messy bit down there. Yeah. So that's how I, I decided I, I evolved into where I am now, which is more leadership, um, communication and conflict consultation and coaching and training. Oh, amazing. Well, a beautiful sort of organic journey that you've been through to have the wisdom. I mean, we can all gather up some skills and learn some stuff, but there's so much wisdom in that journey. 
which is uh, really powerful. Sorry, Thomas, you were about to say something. Yeah, Nicole. So you, so it, it's it's PR, it's communications, it's marketing, it's psychology, it's counselling, it's mediation. How long was that journey of knowledge gathering to write this book? Well, when I started PR, I was in my early twenties. I mean, I can tell you how so old just I am now. Five years ago, then. Five exactly six, six. <laughs> six all right then um yeah i mean it, it's been a long journey you know it yeah. is a long journey and i think throughout our lives and our personal lives as well we all deal with conflict in in all way you know within business relationships within personal relationships um so there's always a learning but it's an awareness of what you take from every situation as well mm. you know and i think you know there are still many situations i look back on in my own life and i think Ten years ago, I would have dealt with that very differently to how how I do now. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking exactly that. So a girlfriend that I had, um, and we were really close, and something went wrong. And I, you know, sometimes we just pass each other in waitrose, and it's really challenging for me. But you know, at the time, and it was about 10, 12 years ago. I, you know, I don't know whether it would be maturity, the knowledge that you pass on. I, I very much wish I, uh, we'd handled it differently. And so what is it that is so frightening for people then about going into a scenario? What, 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 where is that fear coming from? Because I, I think for me, it was fear. I just, and I think I want to give a bit of background to that actually, because I shared with Nicole before we went live that I was brought up in a home that on the out externally everything looked perfect and my parents wanted everything to look perfect and it was perfect externally everything looked wonderful and some people might relate to that inside we were never allowed to discuss anything that wasn't right and we weren't even allowed to argue as siblings you know we literally everything got put into boxes and yeah. you know so which is so unhealthy, you know, it's yeah. so unhealthy. Yeah, of course. It's so unhealthy. So I wonder how many people listening to me will think, well, actually, I relate to that. So there is a fear built up mm. inside you when you see conflict. And so a lot of is a fear something that people yeah, have very much so. Going? Yeah. Um, I think there's a fear of confrontation, there's a fear of pushback, you know, how what you're presenting is going to be received. There's a fear of judgment. There's a fear of speaking up. There's a fear of damaging relationships. There's a fear of losing control, a fear of not being able to articulate yourself well, a fear of mm. um, mm. I think lost, lost the- Yeah, well that is there, a lot of fear. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot. You know, you know, there's a fear of uh, people not wanting to like you anymore if you, you know you don't say things in the right way that people pleases um, you know and and a lot of it is about you know as you said what you've been brought up in the environment mm. if that's your normal mm. um, and that's how you've been brought up to to deal or not deal with situations mm. that that is going to be your modus operandi that's yeah that's gonna, interesting that's how and, and we're going to, this people please thing, we're going to talk later. So keep listening because we're going to talk about three archetypes um, of um, around this. So people pleaser is one of them. And we're going to talk about the other two later. So keep listening because it'd be interesting for you as a, a listener to work out which one you are. 
Um, so Thomas, again, is, do, do, I saw your mouth open just uh, I was saying uh, that. <laughs> so my question, Nicole, is how do you prepare for a difficult conversation? Because it's not something any of us like. Um, there's the fear of the outcome or not being able to control the outcome or be involved in the outcome. There's a fear of even engaging in it, almost like that same fear of being bullied. So how, how do you help people prepare for a difficult conversation that they've got to deal with? No, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I think the first, very first thing is to recognize what they're afraid of. Um, because everyone's fear is going to be different. Um, so if it's a fear of losing control of, of yourself, for example, you, so if we, if we rewind a little bit, um, the fear is always based on something that's happened to us in our past. So for example, what your story is, Penny, is, you know, you were told you don't deal with anything mm -hmm. that that's your story, your narrative about it. So you have to recognize what that fear is usually something that's happened in the past before where let's say you spoke up in a meeting um, and you were shut down and that's your fear you know so next time you are in a similar situation um, either with a colleague a business partner or in a personal relationship your your fear is i'm going to be shut down again so you have to recognize that that is actually what you're afraid of as opposed to just avoiding the conversation um, and recognizing that, okay, what tools can I use to support me to manage this going forward? So if your fear is I'm going to be shut down, okay, well, let's, let's prepare, first of all, prepare yourself. I have a little acronym I always use, which is called use a map. So manage your mindset, think about the, um, what you want to achieve from the conversation and plan and prepare for it. Um, but depending on every situation it is always going to be slightly different i think your mindset is always the first thing which is most important um, as we all know our our, our brain our, our mind is such a powerful um, thing and it can stop us literally from engaging or from doing anything unless we're unless we manage it so recognizing as i said before your fear um, and there are ways there are ways to manage your mindset you know if you're feeling afraid how do i stop myself or you're feeling fearful what can i do to to change that to calm myself down first because you one should never engage in a challenging situation you know unless you're in a good frame of mind we're never going to be in a good frame of mind when we have a difficult yeah. conversation let's be honest but yeah. so there are tools you can use to 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 calm yourself always focus on what you want to achieve at the end of it and plan for it plan what obstacles you might face along the way you know pushback they might say x y or z um have a, a response ready for that whatever there, there is a million different conversations we can yeah have, and do you scenario plan that with your clients yes oh, so that yeah you play the uh, you play the devil's advocate if you like of yeah you go through their mindset what they're trying to achieve and their, yeah. and their plan but then you play the character of the person they're going into conflict yes. with yeah so it's so, really terrific yeah so you know there there will be um a situation where 
Um, I'm just trying to think of one. You can never think of them when you need one. But a situation, let's say, where um, a manager has to face a difficult conversation, a bullying conversation with a team member, for example. Um, and again, if we go back to the people pleaser, that's you know an extraordinarily difficult situation, even more. Oh, um, like so your post this week on LinkedIn about the 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 person who's the highest performer and still yes, a bully. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I like so. That. You know that and that is a fairly common situation in in any business um so you both have I, to explain what that scenario was oh okay so um let's say you you know you're a manager in a business and you have um a team member who is you know your your hot shot and bringing in all, all the money and most productive and hitting all the targets but they're also a bully and they are, you know, their behavior oh, within, yes. the, within the department is, you know, they shut people down, they're rude, they're aggressive, they're confrontational. But as a manager... Well, this is very common, isn't it? Yes, yes. So as a manager, you know, there's a lot of fear um, to rock the boat. You know, you don't want mm. to, um, you know, stop that, get them upset. But um, you also know you've got to manage, you know, mm. you can't allow that behavior to continue yeah that's um, good so i would sit down with you know my my client and i'd say right what are you afraid of here and you know that well you know if i don't set right they're going to you know um throw it back in my face and they'll raise a grievance about me and whatever so we'll go through each potential obstacle in the conversation and I'll give them variations of things that they could say in response to that answer that answer or that answer um and that mm. gives them confidence because of you know that that is the one thing anxiety when people feel anxious about a conversation they're never going to show up confident in it yeah so it brings them the confidence and we'll practice it which also brings more confidence um, and also, most important, you know, you're not always going to get what you want from the conversation. You're not always going to get the outcome you want. So, you know, don't go into a spiral about it afterwards, except, you know, if this bully, for example, doesn't acknowledge what you're saying in the conversation, um, you have to be focused on the fact that you, you can't allow the bullying behavior to continue. And it might mean, you know, if a grievance hasn't been raised, a grievance might be raised about them and which will have to be investigated. But the point is, you've got to be clear about your focus. The focus is the bullying behavior has to stop. So don't be derailed by them coming back at you with a load of other rubbish. Um, because and in a scenario like that, Nicole, would you ever, would you ever act on behalf of the client who's asking you to guide them on their conversation would you actually ever go and talk to the bully the character yourself to pre-prep them for this difficult conversation with your with your colleague or client um sort if they ask, the yeah yeah i mean and so that's an interesting point um to kind of like prep for what's coming is, is that what you're saying yeah mm -hmm. sort of acting as the mediator to sort of 
I don't know. What I haven't is. diffuse. Yeah, or yeah. Reduce I mean, the sting or the bite. I mean, I've done that in the context of a mediation because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the mediation process or within business, within workplace. Anyway, um, you would always have a conversation with with both parties first individually. Okay. Um, where there is a conversation around awareness of one's own behavior and and you know generally people who end up in mediation know knows that there's a problem um and that they might be the cause of it but uh it's about helping them to perspective i guess mm. um some get it some don't but yeah so, so in that so what i'm really curious about just moving on from that is um I've got this concept called quiet quitters yeah at the moment in businesses yeah. Um, when I look back to scenarios where I've just chosen to step away because I just can't be bothered, I've just not been motivated to heal something. I've just thought, you don't mean that enough to me to mm. go into conflict. You just, mm. You've just shown me. That. So I'm interested in, I wonder how, you know, with this challenge that companies are having now, whether if you had the wrong leader, in place or the leader wasn't skilled in the way that you would help them to be skilled they could have all sorts of quiet quitters who just sort of think i'm not even i can't be bothered i'm not even yeah. gonna yeah. share yeah. so how do you create a culture within an organization for people to know that the organization wants people to speak up and talk about challenges well i think that that always has to be mirrored from the top down and I think, you know, you have to create a sense of psychological safety that it's okay mm. to speak up. Um, and that concept of giving up on people, you know, I, I a little bit narked by this quiet quitting thing, because I think it's about the leaders who are at yeah. fault. If you can't, as a leader, you're there to engage, inspire, motivate, nurture, you know, people who work in your team if you give up on them should you be in a leadership role mm. you know mm. um mm. yeah absolutely thoughts. you know i think it's very easy to blame to blame people who aren't motivated okay everyone has a different reason for turning up to work some people just do it for a paycheck and nothing will motivate them except that paycheck and they will be termed as a quiet quitter because they come in they do their job they leave and in many industries that is fine you know mm. they're not expected to do much more but when you want to encourage loyalty and support and you know contribution to in a in a business um you have to be there helping them and showing them the way and mm. yeah absolutely so there's two i've sort of two types of i'm being very generalistic here so i'd like you to fill in the gaps but i'm classically a quite a non-assertive person and then you've got people who are assertive with their opinions and their thoughts um and i got to a point where as a non-assertive person when i started to get very exhausted in life and i started to interpret that anybody that was assertive was being a bully but they weren't really I had just gone into the way down into passiveness and I was seeing them as becoming a bully. And is that a scenario that can often happen when you've got two personality types in an organization? Yeah. 
I think that is quite a general opinion. I know that's your yeah. personal narrative yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, anyone who is passive and who chooses not to engage in confrontation or who mm. runs away from it is always generally going to find anyone who is quite overwhelming to be bullying. Um, oh, that's interesting. But um, assertiveness is not the same as, as bullying. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's trying um, to meet in the middle. Yeah. Because the passive person is just as annoying. Ask my sister. <laughs> she's very assertive and finds you know she finds me terribly annoying I'm sure. yeah so um i think it, it's you know, frustration are, i mean that i think yeah. for, for the assertive person somebody that doesn't speak up is is frustrating mm. Mm. and i always say every behavior is a window into somebody's world so That's how we yeah mm. every, how we show up is there's a reason behind it and i i always invite people to knock on the window and look through mm. because what you see at surface level is we, we don't all if we if if life's great we all show up in a certain way in our life we don't need to um you know be overly assertive there's a reason why we feel we have to be mm. overly assertive if we are very passive there's usually a reason why we choose to be or mm. we are quieter and our, our mm. colleagues or whatever so i always say don't take whatever you see as, as on the surface as face value and and like when we show up you know in, in the confrontational if we're happy we don't there's no need for us to show up a confrontation in in a confrontational way mm. there's always something mm. that's driving behind that yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and nicole you talk about these three different profiles these three different archetypes mm. can you take us through those three different behaviors yeah. that people have or profiles yeah so just to give a bit of a background here um this is something i wrote about in my book so there's the people pleasers the freshers and the warriors um, people pleasers freshers and warriors yeah now um i'm not one for labeling people i don't believe in labels but what i what i say is that there's elements in each of these archetypes that if we bring to our relationships or conversations or communication they can have an impact a negative impact if we're not aware of it mm. um that's not to say they're not good or that they're not good traits because people pleasers have some lovely traits. I know I'm a people pleaser. So, <laughs> um, but a people pleaser, for example, um, can have difficulty setting boundaries. They can have difficulty saying no. Um, they can sit on the fence and, um, you know say yes to everybody and then cause disruption because those two people might then realize that actually what they said wasn't true about them or what they said wasn't true about them then you have um <laughs> people who um just always agree um and so if you're say a manager and you just always agree with your boss um you know, you're never going to show your true colours. You're never going to be able to climb up a, a ladder 
within your business, you know, the corporate mm. ladder, if you're just saying yes. Um, and then if, again, something I've seen endless times, if you're a manager and you, you know, you are scared of confrontation, you're never going to um, manage bullying behavior or team conflict very well. Um, mm saying no to people um, and then suddenly having to say yes uh, and suddenly you know your your colleague or your team member you know is, is shocked and disbelief how could you say no to me mm. um, uh, you know you never said no to me before mm. and can you tell when mm. you're talking to Penny and I or being interviewed by Penny and I can you tell whether we're a people pleaser a fresher or a warrior um or my instinct although you did put up your hands before is that you're probably a, a bit of a warrior thomas i'm the warrior situations. so I'm we need warrior. to come to that yeah. then yeah um only because and and perhaps is a good time to go on to this mm. characteristic now is you're quite a direct person you know you say things quite directly and which is great you know everyone knows where they stand and and there's no gray areas um, but in certain situations that can present, you know, difficulties. Um, it could be if you're too direct, you offend people. Um, I do that have, a lot. Um, it could be um, an impatience you bring with you, you know, if you expect people yeah, to always match, got that. match, you know, where you're at in a conversation and they're not there with you. Um, it could be that... Um, you don't pick up on people problems um, because you're, you're business focused, not so much people focused. So if there's a problem brewing, you might not spot it early enough. Um, you got yeah. me. You got me. Have I? Have I? All got of the nose? above, hundred percent. Thing is, poor Thomas ended up having a three-hour talk with me, with us both sitting on the floor on Saturday night about a few things. We went into. A really big conversation about a few things and it was so, a difficult uh, conversation and it was a difficult conversation we had to and have how did it pan out oh, it's brilliant i'm sure oh, brilliant absolutely well, brilliant. i realized over the three hours i realized that everything penny said was she was right <laughs> there you go perfect, <laughs> perfect. what's the pro you've talked about the people please you talked about me as a warrior what's the fresher profile nicole Okay, so the fresher are, are your newly promoted, inexperienced managers or business, and it could be a business owner as well. So it might be a business owner who. Oh, fresh is, as in young to the role. Yes, fresh, inexperienced. Um, right. So a new manager who's been newly promoted into post, um, let's say, so let's take a, an industry like engineering, a brilliant engineer, um, and they're in line for a promotion because they're doing really well, but they're put into a people management role, um, but mm. they're not really interested or have the experience to manage people. They're an engineer by trade. So there's a lot of, you know, thrown into the lion's den. And, you know, why should you be expected to know how to manage people when that's not what you're trained to do or what, not where your background or experience is. People management is a different job completely. And there's also an expectation by many business owners that people want to do that job. And mm. 
I was listening to a great um, interview with Steve Bartlett and um, oh God, it'll come back to me in a sec. Um, what is her name? Nicola Mendelssohn from Nicola Mendelssohn Facebook. Oh yeah, Nicola um, from Facebook. Yeah. yeah, and she was talking about exactly this point that they, if if people are looking for a promotion or, or you know, to be recognised. Um, they don't necessarily put them into a people management role if that's not what they want to do. Um, oh, that's clever. Yeah, they, they've got a new name for it. I, I can't actually remember what, what it was. It's, mm. it's, they gave a, it's a different category, if you like. So you're not... You're but not it's an important title. Yeah, you're not promoting to management if you don't want to be, um, but you're still recognised as being, you know, a worthy leader. of, of mm. something else. And I think that mm. was fantastic um because this is where so many um managers come a cropper this expectation mm. so they're promoted into this new role and they don't have scooby-doo what they're doing and mm. the company or the business don't recognize that either and equally if you're a, a you know a small business and you're starting to expand you know penny we talked before about possibly expanding you know your team mm. um you know if you're not a people focused person um and you you know you don't know how to manage people that that's also really mm. you know you're also a fresher as well because you've never managed mm. a team of people before mm. um and that brings you know a lot of um a lot of problems with you know recruitment onboarding um you know you don't do it right you don't have the experience to do it right you can hire the wrong people you can not do the onboarding process well enough because you you just don't know how um and that can create problems you know expectations that people know how to use your systems and processes um and they may well have done it well in another job but there's an expectation from you that they should as well so mm. that there's each carrot each trait mm. brings something else so it's possible to have all three of these profiles at the same time isn't it because you're not, that's why I preempted this before with you're not necessarily yeah. labeled as the person, but they're characteristics from each archetype that if we recognize in ourselves that we can um, hopefully be more aware of and, and manage, manage those situations yeah. differently or better. Yeah, very, very powerful. Because there were definitely things there when you talk about the warrior with you, Thomas, that you're not, uh, you're not, you are very, very tuned in people's emotions and then problems and their needs. You do notice those. So, yeah, I like the fact that you can see different parts yeah, you of can you pick, in those. Pick and yeah, choose. that's really good. So, um, <clears throat> oh, it's incredible how fast we've got about 10 minutes left. Now, the way that you've designed the book, I really like because you've got prevent and then cure. Um, and so this is where I imagine, I, I imagine um, people come to you in crisis because they've done no prevention work. They've not built these skills into their company. Um, and, and then it's like taking them to the emergency, uh, emergency room. Emergency room, Just, yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about prevention. What, how do people achieve prevention? What sort of work do you do in that? Um, I do a lot of training, um, going to organisations and do training there. Um, and as you said, it's about awareness. So what factors um, contribute to conflict? 
um, which might be our own behaviors, um, our communication mm -hmm. style, um, things we do that, you know, I, I talk in the book about communication baggage, what we bring with us from other meetings into a meeting with our teams or whatever. Um, factors within the organization that can create conflict that we might not be aware of. Um, you know, change in management, um, cross reporting, you know, amongst other uh, uh, managers or, or directors. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the part one is focused on things that we might not have tapped into that are creating conflict within businesses. So it's like a bit of an audit on, on the yes. existing situation. Exactly. You know, yeah. things you might think, oh yeah, I never thought of that or I didn't think or mm. something um, that might be unfair and you didn't realize it was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you actually ask people when you're training them, what causes conflict inside the organization so that you can deal with those issues one by one, do you? Yeah. So before I would do a training, I'd always um, have a chat with either the HR or their, whoever's brought me in to do it and just say, what are you experiencing here? And, you know, where are, you know, where, where do you see the gaps? Um, you know, I did a training recently. Um, we were talking about, um, it, it was um, sort of fairly senior leadership. Um, and there was one, one lady who um, was ironically the communications director. Um, mm. But, you know, she said, look, I've, I've just got this particular issue. And it wasn't the fact that she was a communications director really had nothing to do with it. It was just a human conversation, not knowing how to deal with certain pushback from, um, you know, a new team member who'd come on board. That was specific to them so what mm. i always try and do is make my training as bespoke as possible to what's going mm. on in that company for them at the time um i'd offer something else as well which i'm working on um, which is separate to that which is more of an audit where i will go in and look myself and what i see rather what then yeah. the information they're giving back so that's what I would do. So that's about co conflict prevention. And then the first part of the book is focused on that. Part two is here are the fixes. This is what mm. you need to do. Now that you know what the problem is, how do you deal with that? Or how do you manage it yourself or being aware of your own issues or behaviors that you bring to the table? And where is the demand, Nicole? Is, is the demand on the cure side or is demand on the prevention side? Um, I think there's more awareness of the fact that people, I'm happy to say that people, companies are aware that they need to prevent, you know, for a healthier business, healthier as in, you know, if you have, if the well-being of your employees or your, your company are, if they're, well, I can't say, let's start again. If, if you're, um, well-being of your employees is good you know their emotional well-being is good that's going to impact how they show up how they perform the productivity so ultimately the health of your business too um so i think there's much more awareness of that now that there's a need, a need and how do you deal with the fact you've got all these different personality profiles where some people are open and some people are closed some people are assertive some people are non-assertive 
and your their actual behavior style their communication style the way they work the way mm. they type the way they send a message all of that can create conflict and therefore put you off engaging with that person completely is that absolutely yeah how I mean, presumably every organization is suffering from behavior style conflict of this is the way we should do it that's the way should, i don't do it that way i do it this way well i think first of all there's an assumption there that everyone should do it in a certain way but i think what you need to do is have an aware you the business needs to have an awareness that everybody communicates in different ways um, and the impact of those communications so you know some people for example sending an email will send you know a very short blunt email to someone which will be received as very rude whereas yeah, that's me i send those emails <laughs> i'm giggling away yeah <laughs> um now if as a colleague you know that that's just your style then you'll say oh that's just thomas but if you're communicating with someone new their first you know interaction with you will be oh that's a bit short or a bit blunt so it's it's knowing and i think that brings me to a really important point the value of relationships knowing the person you're communicating with if at all possible um and recognizing that some people like my husband for example if you sent him you know an email with more than 10 lines he wouldn't read it so you know and i and i'm the opposite you know i need to explain everything in great detail and he either doesn't read it or he uh you know he <laughs> brushes through it and you know that can create conflict as well um mm. so when i email him i try and make it as succinct as possible so it's knowing... I saw a lot of myself and your husband last week Nicole. <laughs> impatient, yeah. impatient. Th thomas makes he says no don't give me loads of instructions just yeah. one at a time when i've done that give me the next one that. Yeah. um as and we're coming to close now but i'm really interested in this in in your book we talked about be curious this is in the um cure bit yeah. And this option one, the ideal response when the in thing where somebody would say, oh, I had no idea. I'm concerned to hear that. Could you possibly give me some examples? So that person's, well, that person's a hero. And then the different person was, um, I'd like to know who exactly made yeah. these allegations against me. The witch <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can you actually help someone not to be option two? <laughs> yeah. yes. nothing personal nothing personal in this question because that's yeah. quite a interesting insight into the two ways that people will respond did you yeah. know you were doing real-time coaching of penny yeah, no. marriage counseling marriage counseling <laughs> yeah live live to thousands <laughs> <laughs> um you can of course you can um and that goes back to what i said before which is um every behavior is a window into someone's world so you know if you if you respond like that you know your defenses are up for a reason you feel criticized you feel judged you know and it's how you position it it's understanding you know how that other person is feeling in that moment and why um yeah. and there is you know there is a way to approach a conversation like that um yeah. and a response needs to be managed in a in a different way in an empathetic way so it's quite funny to, i'll give everybody the example thomas 
somebody sent me a message saying, I think you should tell Thomas to tidy up his bookcase. They sent me a message like that on LinkedIn. I thought it was quite funny. Thomas went on an received. absolute witch hunt. I had to go back through so many LinkedIn messages to find out who it was. And he straight away went block for life. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want that person in my life. Okay, I get that. I can help you with this, Thomas. Let's have a chat. <laughs> well, you come around anybody... and tidy it up. I love it. Yeah. No, no, I, I think <laughs> the your bookcase is fabulous. <laughs> I love your bookcase, Thomas. It's fabulous. Oh, yeah, we love it. Because it's I you. Did I tidied up a little bit, actually. I sort of started the conversation. Why have you been in my office tidying up? Anyway, on that note, business is personal. So you get it all with Thomas and I. You get it all. And um, Nicole, that was a fantastic conversation with you. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. If you've given us your full attention, we're really grateful in a busy life. And I hope that um, you really got a lot from this. I'm sure you will have done. If nothing else, you'll have known the issues that we have in our marriage. And as <laughs> and as, like airing your dirty laundry in public. Know, exactly. yeah. As Thomas just showed, yeah, and Breathe um, on Amazon. It's a brilliant book. It's a it really, really is a great book, Nicole. Oh, and it's a, a pick thank up and put much. down and pick up and put down. You don't have to read it all. Um, in, in, in the order that it's written. It's brilliant, very distinctive chapters and really powerful. So thank you, Nicole, for thank this amazing so conversation. Thank you. thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole.